When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody pain. We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to you. Just a conqueror. Yes, you If you win by one, you've won. The throne went over the side of the first. It is time to draw it up. I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Oh, they're all copying me now. Even the king. Hello. I'm Mark Steele, and welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? It's one of those weeks when Britain is the envy of the world, because every single news channel is going, welcome back to our 24-hour live Royal Cancer rolling news coverage. We have over 300 reporters covering every aspect of the King's condition, including Sophie Buttersquash with a cancer cam that enables her to report from inside the Royal Sphincter. And then they go, now we're looking at a branch of Marks and Spencers, which is quite near to the hospital where King Charles was examined. This may be where visitors to the king popped in for a sandwich after they accompanied him to his scan. This hasn't been confirmed yet by Buckingham Palace. Uh, The visitors may have brought their own food, snack, uh, they, they may have allergies. We don't yet know. And now let's talk to Dr. Grouse Pellet, who has himself examined over 20 patients in his long career. Doctor, there has been speculation that since the king's coronation last year, each of his organs has grown a crown, and this could be the cause of the cancer that has been diagnosed. What are your feelings on that? Then there's 40 minutes of drone footage of Buckingham Palace, so you expect them to say, the good news, as far as we can see, is that the cancer hasn't spread to the structure of the palace. There was some concern that it could have moved onto one or even two of the balustrades and maybe a chandelier. But the managers of the building issued a statement this morning that all the rooms have been thoroughly scanned and there is no cause for alarm. So that certainly is very, very good news indeed. At one point, the BBC News gave us a live update that said, Buckingham Palace tourists say he'll pull through. I'll thank the Lord for that because theirs is the opinion that matters. I was the same when the consultant said he felt my cancer was curable with a high rate of recovery. I said, never mind what you think, mate. What does that Japanese bloke outside Buckingham Palace think? And then they go, the palace has not yet revealed where the cancer might be. Uh, There's been some speculation that it could be cancer of the scepter. 
And if so, there is a possibility that the chemotherapy will mean the king will lose his crown. But the good news is it will grow back. And then there's going to be headlines in the newspapers going, did Meghan Markle cause king's cancer? We speak to a leading royal medium who believes the king's condition is Diana's revenge. Defence expert warns King's cancer could be part of Hamas terrorist plot. But to be fair, at least all this non-stop 24-hour wall-to-wall royal cancer coverage has increased awareness of a very serious disease, mental illness. This week, ex-Prime Minister Liz Truss set up a new group, Popular Conservatives, at a press conference in which she outlined some of her exciting new policies that will make Britain great again. Hi guys. For too long, our Valentine's Days have failed to live up to the potential that this great romantic occasion demands. As popular conservatives, we say it's high time we ditched the lazy consensus and had a radical rethink. This year, instead of roses, why not give your sweetheart a box of dying frogs? For too long, the established orthodoxy has insisted we celebrate with a bottle of pink champagne. Instead of boring old fizz, why not give your loved one a glass of polonium 210 in a beautiful crystal glass from the Russian government? And instead of a candlelit dinner, why not shake things up with a candlelit river of petrol? leading to a nuclear power plant. Now, I know that some people are going to point out that when they followed my advice last Valentine's Day, it caused a meltdown, meaning that every coastal region in Japan had to be evacuated. But that's only because we didn't go far enough. Thanks to the woke anti-Valentine's Day coalition, such as Greenpeace, the BBC, the United Nations, the World and Emma Watson. Whereas if they'd done as I suggested and doused it in gunpowder, we'd now have the fastest growing Valentine's Day since records began. Happy Valentine's Day. Now, you can't even begin. You should know this by now to try and find out what the fuck is going on unless you've got expert advice, a wide, diverse range of expert advice. Nobody so... No, he's not wide, but he's diverse. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) Oh, what a mess I've made of this. This is is why I never get to do the Oscars. And now with us, we've got some old fucking wanker, Jack Nicholson. I didn't mean... (laughs) Mick Ferry. Hey, if you ever get Jack Nicholson on the show, I swear I'll shit my pants. That would be, <laughs> that'd be fantastic. You, you start, every time you do this, you start, you sound like Peter Cook more and more. Well, my voice might have changed slightly given various things that have, uh, that have been sort of zapped about in me in recent months. But uh, I don't know, but I probably was a little bit Peter Cook. He was... um. Where was he from exactly? I don't, I don't know. Idea. I, I have no idea. I'd imagine down yep. south somewhere, wasn't he? I don't think he was a Geordie, no, was he? I so. No. <laughs> Barnsley, Yorkshire. He wasn't from Yorkshire. He wasn't Geordie. He wasn't no. Scottish. He wasn't Welsh. He's from London. I'd say he's from the London area. Yeah, God, that's terrible not knowing that. But yeah, yeah. But, but uh, oh, well, I, I'm quite happy to say not Peter Cook. No, that's fine. I wasn't. He wasn't a criticism. <laughs> I was just saying, you sound like you sounded like Peter Cook. 
uh, I was going to say, oh, you sound like I can sort of pick some generic northerner. Do you know? Um, yeah, which is which is what they do on Radio Four. Whenever they want to do a stupid voice, they do a generic northerner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's say, yeah, Radio Radio 4. The Radio 4 has been discriminating against Northerners. So we've got a couple of actors in to do, to do, uh, uh, what would it be, to do the, um, uh, to do the radio play. Yeah. That'd be it, right. All right, yeah. let's, do, let's do that then. Oh, no. Oh, bloody, uh, Carl's gone missing again. <laughs> oh, really? Well, have you, have you looked in pit? It might be down there. Oh, they shut pit down. Don't you remember? No, oh. I don't remember. <laughs> I oh, just... village and, village has never been same. We've all been on heroin ever since. That's right, because it's quite cheap round here, though. <laughs> I started taking after my mother gave it me. <laughs> well, heroin mine were all up keeping it going, but now now Tory just shut that down and all. Oh well heroin farm gone as well. Happen. But it is it is a bugbear about whenever you hear anything on Radio 4 and they want to make anybody sound stupid, they just do a generic northern accent. And it <laughs> fucking pisses me off. Uh yes. Or um do you remember Benny from Crossroads? Yeah. That oh, was the a brummy, the slight brummy accents, yeah. Did he have a brummy accent though? He I did. can't remember if he I did. Think he did, Mr. Yan. I know they were all, they were all, yeah. I know they were all, but, but um, he famously but, disappeared while going looking for a screwdriver, and then that was it. If you remember, what, in the his, program or yeah, the, in the program, he just in <laughs> real life. He, I think in the program, he actually said he was going to go get a screwdriver, and nobody ever saw him again in the program, and nobody ever talked about him again. <laughs> They'll bring it back one day, and a 93-year-old Benny will, will come in and go, and, uh, oh, where, where have you been? Well, B&Q was shut, so I had, to, I, I had to walk all the way around the world. I managed, I managed to find one in the, in the Philippines. Yeah, turned out it was the Philips I needed. <laughs> what to walk all the way back. Well, that, they've they've got a, they've got form for doing that. It happened in Coronation Street years ago when young Tracy uh, Baldwin she went upstairs to listen to some music and then reappeared sixteen years later. <laughs> oh a diff- yes, a different actress. <laughs> I used to love Coronation Street, and uh, uh, every now and again on YouTube, I sort of look at an old Coronation Street, and it was brilliant. I think up until about the late seventies. Yeah. And in the early days, it was part of that, um, you know, the sort of angry young men playwright sort of thing, John Osborne and all that. It was those people. Ken Loach, I think, had something to do with it. Or certainly, uh, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, some of the uh, Jim Allen, some of these left wing playwrights. Stan Ogden, right? You remember yeah. Stan Ogden? Yeah. He was just the slobby window cleaner who was very funny, but he was yeah. Hilda's useless husband. And Stan Ogden was originally written into Coronation Street as a Spanish Civil War veteran. <laughs> and then they changed his character to just being a fucking useless window cleaner who never mentioned the Spanish Civil War again. Yeah, yeah Danny, you're back from Spain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. All it ever is with you, whenever I ask you to do a simple thing like put the bins out, oh, I couldn't do that because we were fighting against the fascist Francoists <laughs> with me bloody Republican mates out in Barcelona. Well, how about getting back here and bloody tidying up the table for once in your useless life? <laughs> That was, I, I, I never knew that about it. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, they, they kept that part of his character. That would have been great, especially when he had a drink. 
That'd have been lovely when he was pissed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he often was with Eddie Yates, <laughs> I, who was. Uh, and I, yeah, and I know I remember. So this was not. This must have been early seventies when I was watching it. I mean, it's about the only thing that I used to watch with me mum, and we both liked it. And uh, I remember who was it? I think it was Emily Bishop, who was this very innocuous character. Mm. She got very energised by a local environmental campaign. I think I can't remember what it was, but something was going to be built. And there was a protest about it. And Emily Bishop tied herself to a tree and threw a brick through a police window, <laughs> through a police car window. I, I'm pretty sure, I know people are going to write in now, so I've got details of that wrong, but it was something like that. It was a bit brilliant. This was like in the way before she was predating your swampy people by she, 20 she years. Was, like you said, she was a really nondescript character. There was nothing, mm. there was nothing shocking about her at all. I mean, her husband got shot in a robbery. Of course. And, and but she never remarried. <laughs> no, no. After that, well, would you, yeah, she was volatile. You'd, I mean, you'd she'd have be... Ken would have had a sniff though, wouldn't he? You know yeah, I mean? he married most of them, didn't he? Yeah, but he, he, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be disparaging, but um, you know, someone's innocuous for fifteen years and then throw a brick through a police car window, it smells trouble, doesn't it? We've all got it in us. Yeah, there's something going on there. <laughs> <laughs> right, so. I I was informed by uh, Elliot yesterday when I wasn't uh, when I was doing other things that there's a proposal. You see this that the retirement age is raised, or more than a proposal. It's been said that there's it's a necessity that the retirement age is eventually raised in this country to seventy one. Seventy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I know we're comics, so don't make fuck all difference yeah. to us. But I'm in, I'm in the north, and I think that's conveniently past the average lifespan. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's quite clever kind of tactic from the Tories. Uh, half the country will be dead before it's 71, so there'll be no pension to pay out. I love that. There's a brilliant joke by, there's many brilliant jokes by Kevin Bridges, but <laughs> one who he says his dad was 70, and he says, try getting a 70th birthday card in the west of Scotland. <laughs> he says, I went into the shop, and the bloke just looks at me bemused and went, I've got a 40 and a 30. I can do you that if you want. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, in terms of pension, I, I, I mean, I haven't got one. But what, what's remarkable is the <laughs> the way it's just been received the news. People have mourned about it and just gone. When they announced something similar in France, yeah, they set fire to the country. Yeah. Well, then it went up to 64. Yeah. Not 71. Yes. So that's that's the amazing thing. That is what happened. And people here, and 52% of people who voted here, presumably had the attitude at that time, we're at last, we're not like the French. Who wants to be like the French? Yeah. They work seven years less than us. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. This is why I voted for Brexit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I want to work longer. I want to be made to work <laughs> seven years extra. Yeah. And given that, their working week is nothing. Yeah, and that's yeah. But I mean, I mean, and you're looking at jobs that when you get to that age, I mean, surely I think B and Q's the biggest employer of elderly people in the country. I mean, are they oh, planning on opening more branches? Uh, and, and no offence, yeah. I've actually wandered round B and Q and had an old fellow trying to help me find some concrete ones, <laughs> and it was a disaster um, because he, he honestly he kept wandering up the wrong aisles. So I was <laughs> to the no. point where I thought he was taking the piss out of me. I thought I've asked the wrong person here, and he, what well, he did work there, but he just couldn't remember where the concrete was. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> 
he, he, he probably forgot he was in B&Qs altogether, <laughs> well, did he? Exactly. But the thing is, we're all going to be, you know, 71-year-olds up and down the country working various... I mean... That's I, where I, Benny I, went. That's, but that, exactly. that's the branch of B&Q that Benny went. A screwdriver. Come this way. Come on, mate. Up in 36 years. <laughs> yeah. You imagine kids, kids being patient in a KFC while um, 70 year olds put together a chicken bucket for them. <laughs> <laughs> How many pieces again? It's going to oh, be horrific. God. When I had my. Uh, um, I had to have a little operation. Well, not that little. At the start of all my. This, Elf business, and there was one guy who was forgetful, and he was, I think, it was an agency nurse. And I don't want to be disparaged, but they, you know, they've all been wonderful and all that, absolutely, so that many times. But this this guy, <laughs> and uh, it was in the middle of the night, and I had to get up for me little. I thought, oh, I should have come round with this little bucket of tablets that I had to bring, little tiny thing, plastic cup with tablets. And there was one guy, but he, I recognised that uh, these little blue ones were the morphine. So I thought that's the serious oh. one. So that's make you know get that right. <clears throat> and he's given me that the little blue morphine one and a couple of other things. And then he went, now I've just got to get the morphine, and then we're done. <laughs> I said, mate, I think that's the morphine. And he went, oh, is it? Get your morphine, yeah, straight, mate. Yeah, <laughs> what am I like? <laughs> imagine he, imagine he gets home every every week and his his rounds are getting shorter. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I was saying you don't do much work this week. So yeah, I've not not many people to see. <laughs> They're all carking it in my blood. They're all happy while it happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that'll be it. yeah, that'll be it though, isn't it? I think I think that's uh, the morphine though. You think you keep that completely separate to anything else? You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean because what damage it can do, you just just willy nilly throw it into a pot of tablets. <laughs> oh, I've no, I know where it is. I put it in the lasagna. Imagine, imagine getting that mixed up with Viagra. That's a blue tablet as well. <laughs> just before a big night, you wait there, darling. <laughs> He could get an erection, but he was convinced he was a tulip. <laughs> uh, now, Rishi Sunak, right? <clears throat> so I've not seen this. I, uh, this sort of thing, I don't really like with this, Mick, but it, uh, so the news is, so I've heard it on the news this morning on the radio, Rishi Sunak and Piers Morgan at this hour. I cannot imagine that was illuminating in any way. And, of course, because Piers Morgan has to make everything about himself. Mm-hmm. So he offered a bet, a £1,000 bet with Rishi Sunak that he wouldn't uh, be able to employ, in any practical sense, his Rwanda policy before the general election. No one would actually be deported there and offered a £1,000 bet. And I sort of, oh, I'm more and more thinking that I don't even want to engage with these things because it's just trivializing it all isn't it this is like well, really the, the, the fact i mean there's something incredibly crass about that, that that this is people's lives this is actual this is real people you're you're having a better it's almost it's a bit like trading places yeah yeah yeah, do, yeah, yeah. The dollar bet see if they can change somebody's life around i mean yes it's it's it's, a, it's awful it's an absolute horrible thing uh to do um, you know what i 
love as well. So I've talked about this. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know whether it's practical, but these politicians that are wanting this Rwanda plan, well, why not put them in that situation? Have them for a few months trying to get across the channel, staying in a camp, going through the process, and then flying out there just to see how it feels for themselves before you actually think about putting somebody on a plane to Rwanda, which apparently is now a safe country. Yeah. So they'd have to come over on a dinghy. Yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg on a dinghy. <laughs> His nanny, Rowan. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be shouting all the orders in Latin <laughs> to his poor nanny. Yeah. Oh, for goodness sake, woman, I was saying Northwest in Latin because it, <laughs> if one can't chart a dinghy by the stars at this age, one might as well just launch oneself over the side. <laughs> But a thousand pound bet. I mean, yeah, just uh, I, I've seen the clip and it's yeah, it's, it's it's unsettling. But it's just I don't know. I think it's it. It's just him though, isn't it? It's just it's Piers Morgan has to be. It just it has to be about him. So he's not done. You know, where if that was Emily Maitlis, she'd think right. How can I? How can I ask the questions that expose the contradictions in what this person is yes. saying? But that's not what he thinks. He just thinks. How can I make that about me? I read one account of it that was like <clears throat> he's talking to him about where they they met on a plane before stuff mm. like that. We met once before on a plane. We were going to right. I was going to Los Angeles to interview bloody something or something and talk to James Corden and be on the fucking something oh, right, yeah. and meet Simon Cowell and go scuba diving with fucking Michelle Obama. And you, uh, what were you there for? That one of them people. Well, he's one of that, right? Yeah, I don't imagine Rishi Sunak on a plane. He's got no problem with leg room. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would imagine economy feels like business class to him, uh, but it's. It was it nothing in Sunak's brain that when this bet was offered, it was it nothing that, you know, a little trigger that got before he took his hand got, oh, no, this is... Why this is don't politicians... I don't, I, oh, this is honestly questioning. I don't know what any... You know, regardless of what party, when, when they're in a situation like that, why don't they just go, oh, don't be such a twat? Yeah. <laughs> what is the matter with you? You don't have respect... A, You'd have yeah. more respect from him. Wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. What's the fucking matter with you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Bit a bit more Mick Lynch, I think, for a, a lot of politicians. Yeah. yeah, he'd do it. He'd do it. <laughs> now we have what what was the one other thing we have to discuss? Do you know what we have to do? We have to discuss what are you up to, Mick? Where can people come and see you and reach? Uh, well, I'm uh, uh, off to Australia for uh, hmm? a couple of months. Yeah. Uh from uh, February twelfth to uh, April end of April. Ad Adelaide and Melbourne. I'm always so impressed, even though I know lots of comics go out there this time of year, I'm always so impressed that anyway, because I, I don't know if it's age or something, <coughs> but... I've never been I'm, before. I'm looking forward not, to it. I've never been. I've been offered uh, the opportunity to before, and I've turned it down, but I said I got, I got to the age of 55, and I thought I might not get asked again. Where, uh, so, <coughs> are you doing, uh, what sort of place are you doing? Uh, I don't know. It's just <coughs> a big, big collection of gigs. It's uh, I've been taken out there to work. Until I'm 71. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's been absolutely marvellous talking to you, Mick. I, I feel much more uh, enlightened as to what the fuck is going on. Right. You're getting there bit by bit. It's one yeah. step at a time. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mick. No, Go and see this man in Adelaide or Melbourne if you're out there. Even if you're not, fly out there. It's not that far these days. What the fuck is going on?
If you would like to hear more of that interview with Mick, then you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. Extended, that means longer. It's thanks to our wonderful, virtuous, glorious, radiant Patreon supporters that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. And we're so close now. Just follow the link on our Twitter page or search for Patreon What The F. And for as little as £2 a month, you will get early access to ad-free versions of the regular episodes. That means that they'll be on on Friday nights instead of Saturday. For the rest of your life, you will have had a whole day spare where you'll have heard it rather than been panicking about what might be in it. Or to really know at a top level what is going on for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended versions of the guest interviews and with extra Elliot. And there's bonus sketches. For example, this week, there is Britain's most patriotic man, Nigel Boulevard, explaining at last how to sort out everything in Ireland. So search for Patreon What The F. Just Google one of them things. Patreon What The F. And you will be on the way to joining the WTF community. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? As you know, we like to get all sorts of views on this podcast. So here, once again, is the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. With us next is Tony Marlborough. He's a press officer for the Pennines Rambling Association. He came on this show once before, and I told him he was discriminating against motorists by not allowing cars on his walks over the hills. Do you remember that, Tony? I do, Mike. He caused quite a good fuffle, mate. One fella heard that, and he drove straight through one of our rambles. He killed six sheep, and his Range Rover's been stuck in a ridge over Cauldron Snipes ever since. Well, you want us to appreciate your countryside? He can do that now, can't he? Or a car driver's not good enough to enjoy your precious fields. It were three miles from the nearest road. He lost control, ran over a flock of sheep, got stuck in a bog. He brought both legs and mountain rescue had to well left him out. He kept shouting your name, saying you inspired him to do it. He's a hero. <laughs> do you know what? I was told I was coming on here so you could apologise to me. What about getting the sheep to apologise for causing an accident? I get away with murder, wandering about in front of cars causing accidents. It's a 2,000-foot-high ridge over the River Tees, Mike. And I suppose it's a 20-mile-an-hour zone as well, thanks to Sadiq Khan, is it? Well, the, the, the Pennines aren't in London, Mike. There's a war against the motorists. We're not allowed to drive through school buildings anymore. We're not allowed to have a few pints to relax before we drive. We're not allowed to drive across the sea. I, um, you, you, you could never drive across the sea. Yes, you could. See you, Tony. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder my son hasn't spoken to me for nine years. Here's David Icke with some Valentine's Day recipes. What the fuck? What the fuck is going on? What is going on? 
it has come to that time of the week. Let wise and sage men kneel down before the majesty of the announcements. Let maidens stop on their bicycles, peruse the fields in which they are situated, and wait for the tannoy to tell them what, what to think. It is the announcements. And this week, I solemnly declare that all announcements across the land can only be in order to bring good fortune to the king. I haven't been on a train in this last few days, but I hope and I'm certainly pretty certain that it is the case that now when a train leaves a station, the announcement says, the next station stop on this 937 service from Catford Bridge is irrelevant. It doesn't matter where we are. What matters is that we all use the power of our minds and of prayer to bring solace to his majesty in this time of need. I would hope that in the co-op, in Asda, in Audi, even in Waitrose, your supermarket of choice, I would hope that the announcements are, we would like to inform customers that custard powder, clotted cream and yoghurt are currently only to be sold to people who will pass it on to the king in order that he can have the widest possible choice of provisions that he may need for his forthcoming treatment. And I would like to add to that solemn, solemn necessity. Thank you. I've not got any gigs coming up anyway, to be honest, at the moment. <clears throat> also, people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. For example, Mark Ridley on Twitter asks, with members of the royal family either ill, recovering from surgery, or not trusted with the youth, should they try and loan a couple of royals from another country for three months with a view to buying them when the royal transfer window opens. I think that's an excellent idea, Mark. Now, for people who don't know, this is uh, th this is very much what happens in the world of, of football, right? So if you've got uh, a lot of injuries or you can't, various things have gone wrong in your football club, you're allowed through the month of January to buy or maybe loan players from other clubs. And this would absolutely work for the royal family. I don't see why not. And then you'll get a very excited journalist like you get on Sky Sports on the last day of the transfer window going and we are hearing that uh the the prince uh prince mogulvi of denmark 11th in line to the danish throne has come over on loan and he's coming over for a medical at windsor castle this afternoon we will be at the airport to track his progress if it goes well then he will be given certain tasks, launching ships. They've got a couple of those in Denmark. Uh, he's going to be able to to open a, a footbridge. I think he could be put in very, very quickly to open one up at Penrith uh, next Monday. And that could be very, very exciting. There is an option to buy him, so he would then be permanently. I don't know who he would replace. There's obviously a question mark over Harry, um, Duke of Sussex. And, uh, and that could be very, very exciting. We'll be interviewing him uh, very, very shortly. I think that could happen. Excellent idea, Mark Ridley. Safarism, one of our Patreon supporters, says, Great to hear positive news. 
Um, oh, I didn't know what positive news you were talking about there, Sephirism, for a moment, but you go on to uh, enunciate. Full disclosure, I only signed up on Patreon to make sure Mark was still alive. Now, I don't know. If I wasn't still alive, I think you probably could still sign up on Patreon because, you know, I guess that my son and daughter would have to sort out my affairs, and I'm not sure that dealing with Patreon would be the first thing. Would it be? Oh, Dad's gone. Oh, shit, we're going to have to sort out the Patreon account because there'll be people might be signing up and he's dead, and then that's going to cause a, an administrative uh, problem, isn't it? I don't know what the... You know, does it affect tax? I don't know. <clears throat> but it's very, very kind of you, Safarism, to, uh, to to sign up to Patreon. And, and indeed, when I each week when I say... Sign up. Why not sign up to Patreon? You get ad-free programs and it comes earlier and all that. And there's extra little bonus sketches. And you find out if I'm still alive. To be honest, you've got a fair idea if I'm still alive from the normal one. Uh, you know, but AI is making great progress and perhaps you know life will be considered unnecessary for carrying on with a, um, a podcast. Sufferism also goes on to say... What the fuck is going on with the king? Do you have any inside information from the cancer patient forums, Mark? Well, I've not been on the cancer patient forums. I don't know what they're like. If they're like most internet forums, they're full of angry people probably going on. How dare you, uh, liver patient 64319, I love Arsenal. You're talking shit. Don't you know nothing? Piss off yourself. Fuck off. What do you know about radiotherapy? Shut up. Piss off. Fuck off. Uh, so I, I don't, <laughs> I've not really been on them. They might not be like that. They might. They're probably full of very lovely people sharing information. But I wonder. I wonder if there's a new person on there at the moment going. Can anyone uh, offer me advice? Uh, particularly the, the, the particular hospitals that I've been to is uh, like awful. It's, Parking situations is ghastly. I was, you know, I was paid for a ticket as I went in, and they've still fined me. This on account of the that my gold carriage was taking up four spaces. There's nothing I was supposed to do about that, isn't it? Um, so maybe he's on there. I shall. I, I'll have a look. Steve Roy on Patreon asks Mark. Another football question. As a Luton Town season ticket holder, do you think Palace will finish above us? Now, for people who follow the Premier League, Luton Town, it's a very romantic story in very many ways with their tiny ground and you have to you know, walk pretty much between people's gardens to get to the away end and stuff in this Premier League of multi-squillion pound teams, some of which are owned by entire countries. Saudi Arabia, for example. And um, Palace are not amongst that number, but... Uh, and, but anyway, Palace have been terrible. Right, you know what? Yeah, we are going to finish below you, pretty much certainly. Unless, I think we're going to finish below anyone who doesn't have 175 points deducted for playing a team of wild animals from the Serengeti, who then ate the opposition. I'm not quite sure I think that, but that's my feelings at the moment. Finally, a huge thank you to all our Patreon supporters, and especially to Rob Osborne, who became the latest Patreon supporter to sign up for the gold-plated What the Belief Beggaring Fuck is Going On level. Thank you so much. See, we're we've got so many Patreon supporters now. We only need another 200, and we will officially become a cult, and then you'll all have to come and live round here until 
I feel that we're being discovered by the state, and then I'll give you all some pills. What the fuck is going on? Don't even, this is a really serious warning to anyone who's thinking of doing it, don't try to work out what the fuck is going on without advice from the younger generation, especially especially people who are 27 and 7 twelfths, that sort of age. Luckily, I have with me someone specially bred for the purpose, Elliot Steele. Hello. Hello. So do you know what's what's going on now? Mm. I've just eaten a banana, by the way. I'm absolutely delighted by that. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, that is really good. Because it's as we sit here, it's it's two days since I was told I can eat whatever. I couldn't eat anything before that. I had to just put stuff through this tube. And uh, <clears throat> and then they said, oh, no, all your, all your mechanisms are all right. But the trouble is I don't want to eat anything. So... I've just got no desire to eat it. I don't know why that is at all. And then my taste buds are all completely upside down. Totally upside down. Yeah, but they'll come back shortly. No, they might not do it. It might take years, apparently. Um, but, you know, I'll just get yeah, used to it. But they still come back. They will eventually, yeah. Yeah, when I'm about 106. And yeah. uh, <laughs> then I won't know. Where. I'll go, oh, yeah. This tastes like something. The tangerine. Grand the government dad. will still have you working as well, will we? Yeah, they will still have me working. That's now, bad. There's, there's going to be... There's going to be <coughs> seventy-year-olds with twenty-year-old co-workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they'll be getting called into HR and that because they've said something that the twenty-year-old doesn't. You yeah, know. you can't have. That's too big an age group. You can't have those people working with each other. <laughs> <That's> well, <laughs> seeing as the football team we support has an even bigger age gap than that between their manager and some of the players. Yeah, and that's working out well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, let's. Hodgson seems very liberal, so it's all right. I imagine if we had Sam Allardyce with the Crystal Palace squad, and then he walks in and he'll go, right, that's enough of that bloody music. <laughs> yeah, and all that. Oh. Right, last one to run round fields, a great big steaming puff. Yeah, <laughs> we just walks in and they're listening to drill music, and he's like, "Turn that reggae off." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have Frank Sinatra before we go out. Yeah, put some proper music on with a guitar, none of that, just none of that drum shit that you look like. Sam Allardyce is called into HR every week because he keeps <laughs> just comes in one week. Now, what before we even before we even play a game is there gone? You know, we're a fast outfit on this team. We got a lot of speed, and everyone's no Sam, no, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. There's these twenty-seven cases of, uh, uh, of <laughs> problematic language. He did, he did keep us up, but he has managed to insult every member of staff, <laughs> from the captain of the first team to the to the to the Somalian lady working at the at the dinner and just working at the desk. He has upset everybody. It's Africa. It's <laughs> Africa, Sam. No, I know. I know that you could argue that bongos came originally from Africa, but you can't call it that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. No. <laughs> They're taking the knee before the game and Big Sam's the only one booing. Yeah. <laughs> 
manager booing, booing our team, taking the knee. Why, is, why, why do we have to wear a poppy every week, Sam? Why do we have to have a poppy on top every week? You know, when you said we were very, very happy to introduce the, the women's team so that they can go around and do all the dishes of the men's team <laughs> while they're playing. I, that really didn't go down well with our core support. <laughs> why? What? Right, it's just that Will Hughes hasn't played many games, so why has he been made captain? <laughs> For people who don't know, which will be all of you, he's one of the only white players. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that'll be a, a I think that'll be a, a, a challenging and fruitful example of diversity in football to um, have people of that generation and that amount of northernness. Yes, there is uh, not there is not one one group in that bit that we haven't been offensive to, which yeah. which makes it all right. That's yeah. what, that's when it's okay. <laughs> You're being horrible about everyone, then it's all right. Now, while we're on the subject of old people not understanding things, here's something yeah. I would really, really like you to explain to me as much as you can. I have no idea, and I don't think anyone my age does, about cryptocurrency. There's a okay. bloke this week, he lost something like 600 squillion pounds on Bitcoin or something and got it back or something. And I thought, what? What? Because what I don't get it, where is this money? Where does it come from? I know that okay. all money is just in banks and accounts, and you don't see it physically, like in like the bag of sovereigns. But what is it? It's 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 hard to explain because I kind of have very limited. I view crypto like this, right? I don't get involved with crypto because the, by the time it gets to people like me, it's becoming like a scam. Oh, that's a very right. good point. Yes, like that's a pyramid right. selling like, scheme. If you ever look at 08, a lot of what 08 was, as much as it was the banks being fraudulent and all of this, it was them going to fucking idiots. <laughs> hey, you earn £25,000 a year. Why don't you buy a half a million pound home? <laughs> and they'll go, oh, okay, can I afford that? And the bank will go, yeah, there's like low interest rates. So you can afford that. And they'll go, brilliant. And then the bank will go, right, now that you've been paying that half a million pound home off for six months, why don't you buy another half a million pound home? <laughs> and that will go up in value. And then you say, and then the person will go, oh, why don't I buy two other half a million pound homes? And, make, and the bank will go, yeah, yeah, why don't you do that? And then you go, right, how are you going to pay for this £1.5 million that you now owe interest on with your £25,000 a year. And they'll go, well, I'll just sell the homes. And you go, yeah, but who to? Who's going to buy the homes when eventually everyone's done that? And not everyone can own three half a million pound homes. And then the whole thing collapses and these people go, well, I just couldn't see how that was ever going to backfire. And it's kind of it's kind of like that with crypto. So that it's, is like any economic bubble going back to the Dutch tulips and so on when yeah. people bought bonds for tulips and forget what the thing is, what the commodity is. It's just a thing that can only ever go up in value. So, so it's kind of like my thing is I'm too stupid to be involved in the beginning of it when everyone's going to be making money. But I'm smart enough to realise when everyone's telling me I'm going to make money, I'm probably going to lose all my money. That's that's my logic, and that's that's what crypto is. 
Well, thank you so much, uh, Elliot. I now understand considerably less about it than I did before. It's not your fault, but I'm really glad. I'm really glad. I'm so hopeless with money. I'm so glad. The number of schemes I've avoided in my life. Endowment mortgages. You're too young to remember them. <clears throat> endowment mortgages. Everyone got an endowment mortgage. Oh, no, it's amazing. You get this mortgage, and all you have to pay off is the interest and none of the capital of your house. And so at the end of 25 years, you've paid absolutely nothing off whatsoever, but you get this massive lump sum of 70 billion pounds and you're able to buy a planet and we're going to buy Saturn and then about five years later the whole thing was fucking exposed as a total international yeah, scam and everyone was bankrupt and had eaten their children as to, to survive and uh, I just thought well, I don't understand it I'm not going to get it. I remember sat in front of a bloke who was trying to sell me a damn mortgage go, and I said but I don't understand it it's not how does it work you can't yeah. get money out of nothing and then there was um <clears throat> and there was one, they were trying to sell me some scheme. What was this? Maybe this was when I got a mortgage. And he showed me this. He had a folder with a plastic sort of sheet in it, and behind was a, 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 a pound note in them days. And then it was like a picture of a bed. You put the pound under the bed, and in five years' time, it's still worth a pound. <clears throat> and then there was a pound note. And beside it was a picture of a bank, and in five years' time, the pound would be worth one pound sixty. And then there was his scheme that he wanted me to invest in a pound, his scheme, and then like seventy pounds. <clears throat> and he said, "So which one would you rather have?" And I thought, "Well, this is just stupid." So I said, "I, I don't know." And he said, "Well, look at the three at the end. Which would you rather have out of a pound, one pound sixty, or seventy pounds?" I said, "I don't know, mate. I'm really don't understand these things." And he went, well, all I'm asking is if I offered you a pound, one pound, 60 or 70 pounds, which of them would you have? Because I said, I'm, t I'm, mate, I'm maths, economics, I'm terrible with it. He said, well, no, what would you rather out of the, those three sums of money? I said, I'm telling you, mate, I don't understand how business works. <laughs> and he got so angry, this bloke. And I said, well, how do you know that that pound's going to be 70 pounds? And he goes, well, the stock market goes up and we invest it. And I said, well, what happens if the stock market doesn't go up? It doesn't always go up, does it? What happens if it goes down? And he went, well, then we're all fucked, aren't we? And he just shut the folder and walked out. <laughs> I felt a little victory. And that's why we're poor. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, and, and, and Mr. Bill Gates, after giving you your offer to, get, <laughs> to invest in Microsoft, <laughs> uh, uh, I've, I've got to jump off. I've got to start work. <laughs> yes, okay. Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Oh, so you tell, tell about your tickets. Oh, yes, I'm on tour. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter and come see me on tour and find all my live dates there. There you go. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you could be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, absolutely write a review. Even if the world runs out of writing implements, fashion one out of a tree. And if there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, then please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free, nothing is ad-free anymore in this world. A newborn baby comes out of the womb screaming webuyanycar.com 
but this will be ad-free and extended version and extended version they're all available please visit our patreon page what the fuck is going on was hosted by me mark Steele, with my guests mick ferry and elliot Steele. voices by sarah alexander and mick ferry it was written by mark Steele and pete sinclair the music was by willie dowling it was produced by mike benwell at carousel studios what the fuck is going on what's brought to you by wtf productions 